Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Gecko Nation Radio fans? Uh, tonight we'll be talking to Dave, getting an update on everything that he's doing, uh, where he's heading, where he's been for a while. What's going on, Dave? Are you with us? Oh, uh, yes, I am, Tim. How's it going, bud? All right, that worked. <laughs> Just here, barely. Here. Yeah, I got you. Okay, cool. Um, let's start out uh, giving everybody the call number. If you guys um, will, would like to call in and ask me some questions a little later in the show, I'm probably going to give about an hour of my time tonight. Um, and I'd like the questions to, I don't know, pertain to, I guess, like personal questions you guys can ask me if you'd like. I'm uh, come a little bit more open about things, and but I don't really feel like giving out gecko advice on this show. I'd just rather give you guys an update talk a little bit about what's been going on in my life for the last couple of years uh, related to, you know, the gecko business or whatever, the hobby. So if you guys like to call in, the number is 646-668-2418, 646-668-2418. And that's a different call-in number now because um, Tim took over the show. We had to redo some things, so it changed. But um, also the chat room's up. I can see it. I'm in here as a co-host. Uh, Timmy on the chat room or no? I don't think so. I'm just pulling it up now. I'm still uh, I'm still figuring out all this blog talk stuff, but uh, but I'll get it worked out. So uh, how have you been, Dave? What's going on? Um, I've been doing pretty good lately. Yeah, and not, not too bad. Uh, the last few years though has been really difficult for me. Uh, overall, um, you know I don't really talk too much about my personal stuff on Facebook. You know, I'm not from the Facebook generation, and I've never really fully embraced this embraced social media like a lot of other people have, because, uh, you know, you and I Tim, grew up in a time without it. So even though it's not even really new anymore, it's very, like, I don't know. It's strange to me that, like, I remember when the Internet first came out and everybody was so scared to put information on the internet and like even use those online dating sites. And now it's like become the normal thing to do. Like everybody is very open about all their personal information. And it just, it's like really strange to me. But at the same time, the way I see things with social media, and if you're in the the reptile community uh, today, you kind of, you kind of have to be on social media. You really do. It is a big, big part of it. And especially if you're trying to, uh, be a hobbyist and sell your animals and um, you know it's not always feasible to make your little you know geckos by bill into an LLC and you know start competing with some of the big breeders out there so you kind of have to use the uh, you know take advantage of the free social media advertising and reach that you can get so I get all that and um, it's uh it's different now. So, you know, I don't mind talking about, you know, some of my personal life and stuff. And, you know, if you guys are curious about things, and I think part of things that may have, like, not been, I mean, I'm pretty good on social media, I think. I've become better at it. It's a learning process. But I think today for people really to understand you and especially business-wise, too, they want to get a feel for um, who they're buying their animals from and whatnot. You have to have a little bit of uh, openness. You have to, they, they have to 
know some information about you and get a feeling about who you are. And I think the radio show, you know, doing that over the last few years was a real uh, positive thing for me in that aspect because, you know, you can hear my voice, you can hear my opinions, you can, you know, get a feel for who I am on a personal level a little bit, what kind of person I am. So I think people should try to do some things on social media. But at the same time, we've talked about it so many times on on the show, how it's also been kind of detrimental in a lot of aspects to people, especially new folks coming into this game and trying to make their way in it. And they experience a lot of negative aspects uh, about the hobby, like right off the bat. And it can be really discouraging for some folks, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, especially, you know, younger people that don't really know how to communicate with adults and crazy adults yet. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a little muddy. I mean, you're, Tim, you and I used to hate when I used to bring up stuff about social media because you really didn't understand it because you weren't on it that much. And now you, you and I have been talking and you've become a little bit more involved. So you kind of see what's going on out there. And I think you're starting to understand what all of us have been going through for a while now, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just like you, I grew up, when we grew up, there was no social media. So it's uh, certainly uncharted territory. And I I definitely um, use it mainly because of the my hobby, not not for to put my personal, you know, information out there. Um, but, yeah, I definitely, unfortunately, see a lot of the negative stuff. And I definitely like to be part of, you know, getting positive stuff out there putting positive stuff and not and not negative stuff you know one thing i've definitely seen uh recently is just you know new people to the hobby looking for advice and they you know basically get attacked as soon as they post anything and really that's just not conducive to you know having a positive experience you know for me i get a lot of enjoyment out of my animals and uh and i did right from when I started keeping, you know, leopard geckos when I was a child. And because I had a positive experience, it's always been a cool thing for me and a, and a cool hobby. But it's unfortunate that now, nowadays, you know, a lot of people, you know, you know, come to some, you know, information outlets that, that we frequent just looking for that, that, you know, first step of getting information and, instead of getting, you know, positive feedback or or getting um advice on where to go for the for the information they're looking for, they just get attacked that, you know, they they get jumped on, you know. So I definitely would, you know, as as you're leaving, you know, Dave and uh as I'm going to be taking over the show and and the Facebook page, you know, it's definitely something I'm not going to stand for if if uh if I see anybody, you know, in that situation, getting attacked or whatever, and, well, and or just not getting what advice. they're looking for, they'll be gone. <laughs> let, me give, let me give you some advice on that. Then, all right, I want it to be the, um, <laughs> you know, this is the person that jumped in whenever I saw somebody getting bullied, and it didn't matter who it was. I did not appreciate seeing that. I it really rubbed me the wrong way. But there's a flip side to that. Yes, you want to help these people, but as soon as you do that. Okay, then you become a target for all those negative personalities that are doing that. And believe me, people are being mean to, you know, 
little gym that just got his new gecko from Petco, they will literally roll, run with that. And if you get, like, on the bad side of some of these people, they'll make up stories about you. They'll slander you. They'll do everything. They'll say the worst things in the world about you because they can do whatever they want on Facebook. There's no, there's no like, accountability. You're not, you're not going to see anybody face-to-face, likely. And it's really unfortunate. I've, been, I've experienced that personally, and it sucks. I mean, there are some real psychos out there. And these are people that, like, I would never associate with in a million years in person. But you're kind of forced to deal with some of these people online. And I'm not saying I'm an angel by any means, believe me. But I, it's, it's, there, it's, like a, it's almost like a cult. And there are little serious little cults, divisions on Facebook, <clears throat> excuse me, and in the gecko community in particular and in the reptile community. And like it get, it's gotten so far where some of these folks are very crafty and devious and they make up fake accounts that are very convincing. And so they don't even, you know, they're not even using their real name or their real persona. And they just go on there. They can bash their competitors. They can bash um, other hobbyists. They can bash other businesses. And I mean, I don't know if it really has an over overall effect on, people's sales or not, but it definitely can affect your mental well-being if you let it get to you. So learning how to deal with crazy people on social media is something I may write a book about someday And because uh, <laughs> I think it's something that definitely has run a lot of really good people out of the game or a lot of good new folks to the hobby just like, just said, what am I doing? I don't even want to be involved in this. And then this is somebody that could have potentially really enjoyed this or, you know, become someone really respected and well-known. And they have this, like, encounter in the beginning that could be so, like, nasty and almost evil in a sense. Some of these people are, like, really cold. Man. And, you know, how do you, you can't be the savior for every one of those people, though, Tim. So when it happened to me for the first few times, you know, it was difficult for me to deal because I never dealt with anything like that. I mean, I, I would get in fights when I was a kid and when I was younger. People, you know, would say something to your face or somebody would say something behind your back and you'd be able to go and confront them. Now you got people making up stories and saying terrible things and they're like half a world away or maybe states away. And, you know, how do you combat that and, and deal with it? It's, you know, I mean, it's a waste time going back and forth in conversations with these people on Facebook is a waste of your mental energy and it's a waste of your time because you're not going to change their personality in any way. It's not going to, so it's like really weird. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out, but what I did figure out is I've kind of like come to the point where I have spent a lot of time on Facebook and I just want to stay off of it dude for a while. It's just like, it's such a buzzkill, man. A lot of these groups, like, I see you're, you're seeing it now. Like you'll see new new folks. I mean, they all make mistakes. Yes, we were just talking about this before the show. Tim. When we were kids, <clears throat> we would go into a pet store. Well, he, when I was eight years old, I went into a pet store with my mother, and my mother was really cool about me having pets. Thank God. And uh, you know, my first pet was a hermit crab. I got it on the Jersey Shore. And after that, went to the pet store and. I really like those anoles, and I wound up getting an anole and a curly tail. Now, 
when I first got those pets, I didn't go do research and everything. I was eight years old. I went to the pet store. The pet store owner, I said, wow, that's really cool. The pet store owner told us how to take care of it to the best of their knowledge. And, of course, yeah, you do get bad information from pet stores. It happens. But when you go into a pet store and you see something really cool that you really want and you're a kid and your parent is actually good. Tim, are you there? Can you hear me? Sorry about that, Dave. I, I dropped off there for a minute. Can you hear me? Yeah, am I on Am I in the air? Yeah, you are. I was the one who dropped off. Yeah, you always had that problem. Even when I was when I was running the show. What's the matter? You got to fix that. You're going to be the host. <laughs> I <laughs> I accidentally <laughs> hung up. <laughs> all right. So what I was saying, what I was getting at, is what we were talking about before. All right. Like you don't always know. You know, not every new hobbyist is going to, you know, do the perfect thing and research and go online and sift through information and different opinions and this and that because you're going to get conflicting opinions on everything on all different types of care with your animals and like to sift through that especially as somebody new to everything you don't know what's right and what's wrong and like you said they go on they take pictures they're so excited enthusiastic about their pets and boom they get nailed by all these people that maybe have a year or two more of experience or even five years more experience, and it's, like, really discouraging for folks, I see, you know? But I'm kind of like, and I'm not going to be the savior anymore. And I used to do that. I used to jump in. I used to fight the bullies back because I hate seeing people get bullied. I hate that. Um, and But when you do that, it still it does affect you negatively, too, because then the, the bully's attention is now directed at you, and... You know, these bullies are never going to see you in person in your face. And first of all, they never say that stuff to your face anyway because they're all chicken. But, you know, it's easy for people to say it online. So what do you do about it, Tim? Yeah, I'd, I'd, just, I'd just like to I'd like to definitely see, you know, people, uh, you know, treat, treat people as if they were talking to them face-to-face. You know, if, if someone came up to you if, you, if you were a vendor at a reptile show or, or you were in a pet store and, and you see someone you know, asking about advice on a leopard gecko and, and you have some information, treat them like that. You know, treat them like you would if you were face-to-face, but don't don't tell them that they made a mistake before you tell them anything, you know. So I'd, I'd just like to direct people towards, you know, some some sites that I find, you know, good inf- information on and let them take it from there, just, just as I was given good information when I started out. But, right, uh, and that's what we always I think that's enough to go too. You know, we always try to enough. like cover all the bases with care and husbandry, and we did some marketing episodes to help people sell their animals. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not always there to respond to everybody personally on Facebook because it can get really tedious answering the same questions over and over and over again. So that's why we did the shows about it. So I think you know it's good now that you're taking over the show, Tim, that you can also refer people back to those past episodes, which are in a sense timeless because the information is, like, recorded, and if people have the attention span, which is rare, if they have the attention span to actually listen to these episodes, they're going to have an edge over everybody else because we really didn't hold anything back. I mean, we had all these really experienced breeders like Marsha and Ron and Matt, all these people that are that have done this. That have, and John. Yeah, John, of course, <laughs> made, made all the mistakes and, you know, did it the hard way and did it the right way. And these are people, you know that came on the show and really 
you know, uh, spilled the beans on it and basically gave out, like, secrets that they've learned over, over the years. But it's up to the people who have the offensive span to want to listen to this and, and actually comprehend it and put these um, ideas and these experiences into action in, in their own hobbies and their own businesses. And those that do, like I said, will have a little bit of an edge over those that don't. And I think you know, I think it's, it's really like time. It's I, I think it's really time to take advantage of the positive things that that social media could do. Um, not that no one's out there doing it, but just um, I'd, I'd like to see the herb community, you know, take a step forward rather than taking a step back. You know, rather than telling some somebody they did something wrong as soon as they are introduced to the community. Is, is even before they even probably know that there's a community, you know, they, they get a ne- negative experience. I'd like to see, the, see them get a positive experience right off the bat. But also, I'd like to see the experienced people, you know, take, take peeping to the next level, you know. Like, we have their basic, you know, leopard geckos and a lot of other species. We have their basic care down, you know, down very well, you know, ball pythons and leopard geckos. You just look around at how many of them there are in captivity. Obviously, we know how how their basic husbandry works. You know, there's a million books on it. There's a million web pages and everything. But something I'd definitely like to see is the next step, you know, taking it further than that and not just giving them the basic husbandry but the optimal husbandry. So that's something I'd definitely like to get into in the future on, on shows and, and what, where I'd like to take, you know, Gecko Nation Radio is to, to have guests that are going to talk about stuff like that. And as you said, Dave, if, if beginners are, are interested, we can point them to the past episodes where we covered the, the basic stuff. But I, I definitely would like to take it a lot further. You know, I think you did an awesome job, and I really thank you for – for all the time and energy and effort you put in and you put the show together, you, you know, put out all those episodes and you've taken it, you know, really far. And I think it's awesome that you're uh, passing the baton onto me and I'd, I'd like to keep it going. Well, you know, Tim, I thank you. I appreciate that. And I can't think of anybody more responsible and good nature to do this. Um, you know, the show has been downloaded, I think, 75,000 times. In just two years? It's actually, uh, I, I saw the other day, I think it's, it's over 80 now. Really? Wow. Dude, that yeah. is like, for a little internet radio show, that is really impressive. Seriously. You know? I mean... Yeah. I mean, we're barely, we're not using any kind of special... Uh, I mean, we have some cool little audio clips and stuff, but it's basically people that... Well, are, no, 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 Dave, gotta, you... you you had some cool little audio because I don't have any any fancy stuff like that. I don't know that you need it. Maybe maybe you should you gotta decide if you want to be. I mean, we were trying to get a little, we were trying to get a little comical here and there with it, and try to um, no, just have a little more fun with it. But if you want to make it more of a serious like learning show, whatever, dude. You know, I'll, I mean, I'll still stay with you as a silent partner. Come on, once I want to help you if you want. That's fine too. Um, whatever you want for me, I just can't like be the man. Anymore, it's not gonna happen. You know. Well, give, so give us a little update. Tell us uh, what's going on with your collection. What's going on with you? Where where you've been hiding out the last few months that uh, you haven't been, uh, you know, on the, doing the radio show and and what your what your plan is for the next few months. <clears throat> okay. 
All right, yeah, no, I guess I can start talking about what's been going on with me for the last couple of years. And um, if you guys want to know, well, that's what we're doing this for, so you guys didn't know what's going on with me. Um, you know, I posted some of it on Facebook, and but not everything. And the main reason that I'm deciding to, there's so many different reasons why this is the right thing for me to do at this point in my life. But the main reason was over the past few years, um, once my collection got up into the, once it got over 500 animals or so, um, you know, I was buying 30,000 worms a week, mealworms. And my collection is in my basement, and you can't get really good ventilation in a basement. And over years of time of cleaning tubs and feeding animals, that dust or whatever those mealworms produce, and I think part of it is a pheromone they admit to, it literally gets into everything over time. You'll be, you'll get dust on the floor and you can be as clean as possible, but it'll get on your shoes and then you'll track it upstairs. It'll get in your carpets. It'll get into your clothes. Then it'll get into your air vents and your air conditioning. And I don't even think you have to have an allergy to this to begin with. I think once you're exposed to this for so long, I think this will happen to most people. And unless your collection is above ground, properly ventilated, and you have someone that you can pay uh, to, to handle all the cleaning and feeding, eventually this is going to have an effect on you. I mean, I know there's some breeders like Ron who's never had an allergy to worms, and he deals with a huge collection, you know. And But there's a lot of us, dude. Like, I can just think off the top of my head, Matt, um, I think Brian Jett, uh, Paul Allen, so many people have been affected by this mealworm allergy, and it's not just mealworms. It's for me, it's the roaches, it's the mealworms, superworms, and then you know people will say, well, hey, why don't you, why didn't you switch to silkworms, or why didn't you uh, switch to crickets? Well, you, can you imagine thirty thousand crickets chirping all night in your house? I mean, I can't. That's like insane, and and they get out and. If the geckos don't eat them, the crickets will eat the gecko poop, and then the gecko may eat the cricket, and then the gecko gets sick. I mean, crickets, in my opinion, are like the worst thing to use. So, and the silkworms, I mean, how do you manage them? They they crawl out of the bowl, and 30,000 silkworms are very expensive. And, like, from a financial standpoint, it's just not feasible to feed a large, large collection like that. So, anyway, get long story short, particularly over the last two years, um, and I never had asthma before in my life, ever. So this breathing problem started, okay? Now, if you've never had a breathing problem and you just suddenly get it, you, you will just, like, take – you won't realize how you took breathing all these years for granted, you know? I mean, it literally feels like somebody's got a hand over my throat and it's squeezing it. I mean, it's really uncomfortable. So it started affecting my sleeping. It started affecting – my breathing, of course, and then, so I had to start going to, uh, you know, the hospital, doctors, and, you know, the first things that they start putting you on when you can't breathe like that is, like, prednisone and albuterol and Advair, and Advair and prednisone, of course, these are steroid medications, right? So, once I started taking all these medications, I, my appetite went up, I started gaining weight. The asthma actually got worse, so I needed more medications. I wound up going to the emergency room more often. 
And every time you go to the emergency room, they got to give you an IV of even more steroids to get you to breathe. And it just turned into a cycle that was really getting out of control. So it was getting me so upset, too, that I was on all these medications. I was gaining weight. I felt terrible. My clothes didn't fit. Um, I had no energy because I couldn't breathe. I wasn't getting a lot of oxygen. And it was getting, like, more and more difficult to care for my animals. And I had to get my friends to come and help me. And I want to give a shout-out to uh, to Blake from Blake's Exotic Reptiles. This guy, man, oh, my God, what an awesome friend. Blake has, you know, and he lives about two hours away from me. Uh, Blake has gone out of his way several, several, many times and come up and helped me when I wasn't feeling good and really needed help feeding all these animals. And, uh, yeah, I'll never be able to, I'll never forget his help. He's just an awesome guy. So if you guys see him at White Plains or on Facebook, you know, make sure you stop by and, you know, talk to him and, you know, give him your business if you like snakes. He's got awesome snakes. He breeds beautiful corn snakes and king snakes and stuff. Um, he's always got, uh, like, feed, you know, Aspen shavings or whatever. He's always got that stuff there. And he's, he's going to be uh, breeding some of my really nice geckos. He picked, I, uh, I made sure that he's got some of my really good stuff. He's got some of my most beautiful bandits. Uh, he's got my Diablo Longfell project. Um, I developed a, my own little rainbow line because they kind of look like Sykes Rainbow and Ron's Rainbows. And they're actually geckos that I did get from Ron. And they kind of had the same look. So, I kind of just called them rainbows because they were kind of like emeralds, but they weren't emeralds. They had stripes and stuff on them and patterns. And, um, I didn't know what else to call them, so I just called them my rainbow group because um, they had a lot of colors on them. So he picked up those for me and, uh, you know, a few select other animals. So um, if you guys are, you know, seeking out some of my animals or some of my bloodlines, just hit me up on Facebook and I'll tell you where things went. Um, just give me one second, Tim. i got to take a puff of my... Inhaler. See, my asthma is kicking it right now. Hold on, folks. I'll be right back. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm I'm definitely looking um, to to keep the show going and and uh, let you guys know where where I want to take the show. Um, I definitely like uh, you know some some participation um, from you guys to to hear uh, you know your your constructive criticism would be awesome. Uh, if if you want to just uh, bash me or whatever, then I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> but uh, no, right, but if bad. you have constructive criticism, I'm definitely open to uh, to hearing it. And um, I, I'm definitely hey, working on on some shows in the near future. Go ahead, Dave. Let me give you some some criticism. Anybody that's got the uh, the balls to get it live, go on live radio, which this is, and you know try to make a positive difference. Okay. Now and that's what I set out to do too, and it was a lot of fun. And let me tell you, I'm I'm an introverted personality. I'm kind of like shy a lot in public, and you know, like meet new people and stuff. I've always been a little bit shy, but doing the radio show has really helped me in a lot of those aspects. Like I've done the show for about two years or a little over two years. Like I actually feel comfortable now, like like getting in front of people and talking. Like I don't have stage fright. I can you know talk in front of a lot of people and. Um, it's re- it was a really good experience, and believe me, I had no radio show training or uh, radio training whatsoever, hosting, okay, and this is something that you kind of will develop and learn. And But, Tim, let me, let me tell you, on the flip side of this now, 
you're going to put yourself out there now, okay, and you are going to open yourself up to criticism. Uh, we'll really love what you do and think you're doing an awesome job, and then you're going to find people that either just for whatever reason, they don't like your personality or maybe they think they can do a better job but don't have the guts to do it themselves and will be jealous that you have a radio show and you might get become successful from it. And you're going to deal with that too. You're going to deal with people that don't like that too. And they're going to, they're going to, they're usually young folks. They'll probably come after you. But um, hold on one second. Yeah, while he's gone, um, yeah, like I said, I, I just, I don't have time for that. So, uh, so uh, you could, you know, criticize all you want, but uh, the, I'll take constructive criticism only. And uh, but I, I definitely well, have some both. shows that I'm I'm lining up, and uh, I'll be yeah, I'll be keeping both. the show you're going. Get constructive criticism, and you're going to get everything else, dude. <laughs> so get ready. Yeah, but I'm just saying I don't have time for it, so to waste your time typing it, but. I won't read it. Okay, so what are you going to do if some crazy guy from God knows where starts going on Facebook and, like, <laughs> saying terrible, terrible lies about you? You're just going to let it go and just, you know, not even yeah. yourself? I'll just, I'll just delete it and, and off my page and that's it. I don't well, have time it for it. On your page. <laughs> I have a life. I have a life. Yeah. So. Well, these are the things that come with putting yourself out there in the public eye that I found. I've never experienced like this kind of stuff before in my life. And it's such a, like a, it's like a culture shock almost, you know, you're like, Holy shit. Like, where do these people come from? Like, like, why does this guy hate my gut so much? Like, he doesn't even know me. He's like, you know, you, you won't even be able to figure it out, but, uh, get ready for that. But I'll help you through it. If that ever happens, and I hope it never happens to you, but all right, David, well, let's get back. Let's get back to you. And, uh, you know, so you, you talked about your allergies. So when, when did you, okay. you know, decide yeah. that you were going to, you know, sell off the collection? When when did you decide that? When did you start doing that? Yeah, reel me back in if I start going off on tangents. I do like to do that. I'm trying. I'm trying to keep you on there. You keep you keep well, migrating back towards Facebook. Okay. Well, dude, this is a huge thing. This is, you know what? And besides my allergy, like the whole Facebook thing, having to be on Facebook for the business is like another reason that, you know, another good reason why I kind of just want to, you know, step away from this for a while. It's very stressful for some folks, you know, and I don't like it. I don't like it anymore. I really don't. But, yeah, let's uh, talk about my, my allergy. Well, anyway, so I gained all kinds of weight, and it was making me sick, and I, now I have a sleep apnea machine. I have to sleep with this mask on every night, and um, all the medications I'm on, I'm finally getting to the point where I'm getting better because I've been spending less and less time in the gecko room. And now that my collection is decreasing, I've been selling them off, and it's less work. And I'm getting better, and I lost, like, 47 pounds. And on top of everything, um, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, my father, who just passed away in March. And, um, you know, I, I, he was, <clears throat> he was like, a really – he was, like, my best friend. And in, on top of all the things I was dealing with with the geckos, uh, my father – developed um, liver uh, cirrhosis and he, because he drank a lot and he had a lot of health complications over the last year. So I was spending a lot of time with him, helping him with that. And uh, so my life was like really crazy. And, you know, it was really like upsetting seeing someone decline like that. And um, he finally 
after the cirrhosis, he finally did develop cancer. And he developed cancer about a month or so before he died. And uh, I remember going to the doctor's office with him, and the doctor said, listen, yeah, you do have cancer. We believe it's from the liver, and uh, we have to do some more tests. And, you know, he he asked the doctor, how much time do I have? And, you know, I was sitting right there, and the doctor said, um, you, have, you have months. You definitely do not have years, and it could be sooner. And uh, it once he heard that, like, I think something, like, went off in his brain and, like, he declined so fast. It's like, my dad was a really strong guy, and, I mean, he he uh, had his issues like anybody else, and um, it just seemed like he kind of just said, all right, that's his body and his mind made up, made up his mind and said, all right, and he declined very fast, and he died on uh, March 31st, and it was really sad because I was there, and um, and I'll be honest with all you folks, like I said, I don't talk about my personal stuff too much, but I do want to talk about my father because uh, he was very, very special to me, as most of you guys know with your parents. I know not everybody has, you know, the best parents in the world. And uh, my, my dad wasn't perfect. But, um, yeah, it, I took it really bad. And I, uh, my father had a card game every week. Uh, and he had some really good friends that uh, played cards with him every week. And... Uh, two days before he died, he was starting to decline pretty bad, and I called his doctor, and uh, she told me to bring him in the hospital, get him in the hospital, and I asked her, I said, you know, he really doesn't want to go to the hospital. Is there any way that I can keep him home for a couple more days? I'd like, before he goes into the hospital, I'd like him uh, to at least have one more card game with his friends. And she goes, she goes, yeah, that'll be fine. Just, you know, please, if his condition changes in any way, make sure you bring him right away. And I agreed to that, and he agreed to that. And uh, the card game was on Wednesday. And uh, the plan was that Thursday morning, I was going to bring him to the hospital immediately after he had the card game on Wednesday night. The next morning, we were going to go. And he was okay with that. He agreed to that. And he kind of knew that, you know, going into the hospital might be his last stop, you know. And so we had the card game. It went really well, and it, you know, usually until 9 o'clock, but around 8.30, he started getting tired. He said, Dave, if I just go to sleep now, I'm getting tired. And I said, all right. So we got him up, and he used his walker, and all his friends lined up and shook his hand and uh, said, Mike, we'll, we'll see you soon. We'll stop by and see you in the hospital and get, get well. And, and he shook everybody's hands, went to bed, and, uh, you know, the guys left at 9 o'clock, and about two hours later, uh, me and... Uh, a man that was renting a room from us. He was there at my dad a lot. And uh, we found my father uh, pretty much in the, in the death rattle, I guess they call it, where like, he was already out of his body. His body was just going through like a breathing motion. It was pretty upsetting to see. And um, so we called 911 right away, and they got there really fast. And uh, they tried to work on him, but they couldn't get him back. And um, it was very, it was very upsetting. And, uh, but, yeah, but all in all, I mean, his last night with his friends and everything, like, was the best possible way he could have went. I mean, he was doing what he loved. My dad also liked to gamble a lot. And uh, that was something he and I argued about quite a, bit, quite a bit. But, you know, he went out 
like having an awesome time with his friends, doing what he liked to do, and uh, went out peacefully, I guess, in his bed. Like, um, so he didn't have to languish in the hospital, and God knows what they would have done to him during that stay that he would have hated, of course, because he saw what my grandfather, his father went through, and also it wasn't pretty. But uh, getting back to my dad, and um, so, you know, that's... that's it's, it's nice It's nice that, that he had it his way, you know, Dave? That, right, that, That's right. the way he wanted to go, you know? Yeah, and I was so glad that I was able to do that for him. I was so glad that, um, you know, I didn't have to bring him to the hospital before his last game. And, and we have a picture of him. You know, everybody's hanging out for the last card game. I have it down here. And uh, we, we, I carried on my dad's card game. I keep it going because a week before he passed, I said, Dad, do you want me to uh, keep your card game going? He goes, you know, as long as the guys want to play, you know, that's fine with me. And uh, so I keep it going. We have, a, we have a good time. All my dad's friends became my friends. And all they're all good people. My dad had an awesome judge of character and uh, just a really good group of friends. So we have fun every week. And we always... Uh, we toast to him, and my dad always liked to play seven card deuces wild, and that's the game I like to play quite often. And it's, you know, it's really funny, Tim. Um, when I deal and I play seven card deuces wild, it is uncanny. Literally, it's uncanny how many times I get deuces. It is really like strange. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and and it's funny because my dad was like, before he died, we had a lot of deep conversations about things. And he's like, Dave, I don't know what's going to happen to me on the other side, but I will do whatever I can uh, to help you from that side if I can. And, uh, <laughs> and I think, you know, and I think it's it's funny, but I think he is looking out for me. I think, and, you know, as stressful as dealing with his uh, passing and his estate and all the, the things, I mean, he had some debts that I have to deal with, and he had all kinds of things that were unfinished that he was working on. And, uh, and that's very stressful. And um, well, if any of your if any of your friends that you play cards with are listening, they're gonna know you're cheating now. Well, oh well, no, it's not cheating. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's 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 just really strange. And since he's passed, I mean, as difficult as things are, uh, there are have been some situations that went incredibly like easy that I thought would be difficult. And yeah, and and I think there is. There is a way that maybe he's helping. Who knows? We, we don't know what's going to happen when we pass. But um, I just wanted to tell you guys a little bit about my dad. My dad, uh, his name was Michael. He was a, uh, a store manager for Nobody Beats the Wiz. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people on the East Coast remember that store. And um, he was uh, he was one of the, he was such a good store manager that the owners would uh, put him into the worst stores possible. And within six months he would get them making money again. And he worked, like, in really bad areas of the Bronx, Co-op City, and stuff like that, areas that aren't really, you know, very safe and stuff. But he was such a, he had a really, like, he had really good leadership qualities. He was the kind of guy that you knew that, you knew exactly where you stood with him, and you knew that under no circumstances this man would ever do anything shady or, uh, never stab you in the back, never do anything like that. You just never would even think that Mike Pelletieri would be that kind of person. You know, and that's the kind of person that I try to be, and I'm, I don't do anything shady, but, you know, a lot of people say, and his friends say, you know, you're just a younger version of your father. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of 
children, you know, try to emulate their parents, especially their good qualities. And uh, that's what I try to do. And I'm definitely, I thank God I don't have the gambling bug, uh, but I do like to play cards. We have spent a lot of money that we play for you know, a $20 buy-in, but we have a good time. But, uh, so that's, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about my dad. But, you know, on top of my, uh, my asthma and everything, uh, dealing with his passing and the estate and everything has been very, very stressful for me uh, over the last uh, few months especially, and well, the last year dealing with his health and everything. So that's uh, basically what's been going on with me for the last couple uh, years. And, um, you know, uh, now my life's changed. Like, with his passing, I've inherited a whole bunch of new responsibilities. Um, it's kind of just fitting that I need to kind of move on from being a gecko breeder, I need to take my uh, finances and my future a bit more seriously as far as, um, like, like I'm actually starting to worry and think about my retirement. I mean, I've tried all these different entrepreneurial things over the years, but now that I'm 40 years old, um, the first 40 years went really fast, and I know the next 20 are going to go even faster, so... Um, I have some ideas about what I'm going to do and uh, I have some things in the works. And I'm, uh, you know, going to work a, a good job, hopefully, for the next 20 years and 25 years and hopefully be able to retire and, uh, you know, do that. So that's where my mind is at right now is uh, getting my father's affairs in, in order and uh, getting my life on a, a new direction, which is kind of exciting, too. I mean, to make a business, like a successful business, out of breeding leopard geckos or reptiles is very, very difficult, okay? My business was more or less a glorified hobby. It wasn't, like, a huge business. And I admire people that are really gung-ho and able to do it. And i got to tell you right now, I think the best person in the, in the leopard gecko community right now that is doing everything the right way, as good as you can do it, and as fair as you can do it, and a total stand-up guy, and someone that I'm very proud to call a friend of mine, is uh, John Scarborough. And I hope you guys all uh, keep a close eye on him and learn from him. He's been on our show many times. And I don't think there's, you know, there's very few people that are, you know, as dedicated as this guy. I mean, this guy really goes out his way, uh, not only with his knowledge. I mean, if you listen to him on any of our past shows, you can't get him to stop talking sometimes. I mean, he just, like, he will tell you everything that he's learned and, you know, experience-wise, husbandry-wise. You know, you've, you've done the interviews with me and him, right, Tim? You've heard the Dave, too. Dave, do you, think, do you think we'd be able to find somebody on Facebook that, that's bashing him? Um, hmm. <laughs> that's fine. No, he's, he's had, oh, no, he's done with some things. Oh, yeah. Dude, you can, you, can be Jesus, you can be Jesus Christ, and there will be somebody out there that's going to call you the devil. Believe me. <laughs> I, try, I, I tried to do everything as perfect as I could. All right, well, I've, I've definitely... You're going to get it. I've definitely, I've definitely never seen anybody uh, say anything bad about John anywhere, but, uh, and I certainly have nothing bad to say about John. But um, Well, you, you can ask John about some of his negative experiences on social media. Nobody's immune to it. Yeah, really, you know? And nobody is. Uh, it's just it's one of those things. All right, well, let's switch gears from, from, from the whole Facebook thing. I think we said enough about that. Tell us, tell us where, where your collection's at now, you know, what, 
you you told me, but I don't know if anybody knows, but you you did not breed any geckos this year, correct? Um, I did have a few eggs that came and, and you know, but no, I didn't make any concerted like breeding efforts. And um, you know, did you did you have was that because you had pairs together, or do you think some females, you know, stored sperm, or, or what? I think that is. What was the deal with those happens. few eggs? Yeah, I think they're. I think, and that's a good point. I think that they can store some sperm. Uh, I believe they can. I don't know exactly, uh, like how long they can, because when you have such a huge collection as mine, and you're doing it all yourself, and um, you don't, you can't afford to pay somebody, of course, because there's not enough money to really pay an employee. But, um, you can't really keep like serious, serious records about things. But yeah, I think there's definitely a possibility they do that. Um, but what right now, like, like a lot of my very special projects. I mean, they're all special. There are some key projects that I really need them to go to serious people. I want to see them. I want to see people like take these projects in the direction I was planning. Because like, you know, when you like for instance, my right now my best project that I'm about to put up for sale is uh, my Gem Snow Halloween Mask Bandit project. Now I've been breeding uh, them for about three years now, and I'm not trying to, you know, toot my own horn or anything, but I have never seen such beautiful uh, white and black uh, bold stripe Halloween mask like bandit look geckos before, and these. This project really has amazing potential, and uh, believe me, I'm not even saying this because I'm trying to sell it or be a salesman. It, I mean, this is something that I really need to go to someone serious, and these are very valuable too. I mean, um, these are geckos that are worth about at least 300 apiece. I mean, and but I mean, I'm trying to find somebody that's serious that'll take the whole group, and I'll of course make a deal with them. But uh, it's got to be somebody that's gonna that sees the vision for this and really wants to. Um, you know, take it in the direction I was headed. And, you know, of course, anybody that buys these projects for me, I'm going to still be here to advise you along the way. Uh, I had uh, someone just buy my Diamondback project. That's the, the uh, gecko that was in Reptiles Magazine, the Breeders uh, Spotlight. Um, it was in Reptiles Magazine a couple of years ago. It was in the uh, issue with Bob Clark. Uh, he, retic, he had a retic article in there. I forget the month, but uh, it's out there. You guys can find it. But um, that project went to someone in Sweden or I think Switzerland. And, uh, no, I, I was really getting consistent diamonds. Uh, and I think, I mean, they do change it um, as they get older, but I think with selective breeding, the potential is there to, to refine this. And eventually, like you can, like over time, you can make really nice bold stripes that, will stay on into adulthood and imagine a gecko that you can perfect and make uh, like diamonds that stay on into adulthood. I mean, like, I mean, these are diamonds. They're, you know, they're not circles. They're not the, you know, squares or stripes or, I mean, you can look on my Facebook page and check it out. And, um, Oh, the guy, the, the guy's name is Viking geckos. If you want to check him out on Facebook, he's got yeah, a project. Sebastian, now. Sebastian's yeah, in Sweden. Yep, yep. I was I was gonna uh, I was gonna bring up Sebastian if you didn't I I got to see him at the last White Plains show. Okay. He was there yeah. and uh, and yeah, it must be pretty cool, Dave, when when you you send a project like that to somebody and then you uh, you see the video that he posted, right? 
And oh, yeah, uh, you see his, ex- his excitement, his excitement <laughs> getting the project. So I was going to bring that up, that it must be cool. You know, I'm sure you want every one of your projects, every one of your geckos to go to somebody that, that's that excited about it. And I've well, actually that's, been that's, talking that's to it. Sebastian about having him on yeah. the show. Dude, that, that is it. See, and that's why I'm, I want to be a little selective with some of these projects because, you know, I want them to go to people that, like, are so excited and, like, so happy and so motivated. Um, like, when that guy posted that video, I was like, wow, it just brought me back to when I was a kid. I, I know that enthusiasm. And, you know, I was feeling that way about the Leopard Gecko game six years ago you know, before I started getting sick and everything. And I, I'm still enthusiastic. I still love them. I love these animals. I, I love what, I love the work. I really do. And I love the genetics. And I love being able to, you know, see them develop over time. I really, you know, it's like, it's so unfortunate too, but there's got to be a reason why I have to transition away from this. Because like, imagine being allergic to something that you are like so good at and so passionate about and so, um, that you've got so much invested in. And then you become allergic to it. Like, how ironic is that? Like, how crazy is that? So it's got to be some kind of, like, life test that I got to deal with. So I'm trying to think of it in that aspect. But it sucks, man. You know, dude, I I loved what I was doing. And, like, a lot of these projects are kind of, like, in the middle of where I was going with them and, you know, the, where the potential was for them to go. And uh, that's why I'm hoping that others can pass them on. Like, the, the Black Pearl Project, the Charcoal Black Pearls, um, John Scarborough got those and I'm so glad that he got them because um, you know that project everybody thought was you know like uh, I don't know they thought it was a scam they thought it uh, was all bull or, and they a lot of people weren't even making dark echoes and I, I don't know my work with them was the best I'd seen I think uh, I got very lucky with some really dark ones and I, I definitely uh, took it to the level where it's supposed to be, and I think with in the next couple of years, John's going to keep it going. He's he's sure to succeed in this because they're like super dark now, and with just a couple more years of selective breeding, they'll be solid black. They will, and um, they're not like heavily lion bred. I mean, I love those black knights; those are really cool, uh, and I get a lot of respect to the people working on those. But you know, they're kind of really, really lion bred. Um, but, you know, this black pearl is a little different, and it was kind of resurrected from the ashes. A lot of breeders worked on it, uh, didn't have success with it. You know, they weren't getting the dark geckos. In fact, they were looking yellow and stuff. And how do you call a yellow gecko a black pearl? I mean, it was just like it didn't seem right to me. And, you know, I acquired some animals uh, from uh, from Matt, at Matt Dawson, Paul Allen. Paul Allen worked on them, too. And... Uh, you know, you know, I put some, put a few years into it. I got lucky. I mean, I don't know if I got lucky, but um, it was it, it was pretty cool how they came out. And I posted some videos about them on my uh, YouTube channel. You guys can check it out. And uh, definitely uh, check with John in the future. Keep an eye on on his work with them. Uh, I think he. I don't. I can't think of anybody better to uh, take that project and keep it going. But um, yeah, the, you know, there are some other groups that. I need to, to place, like, my uh, my marble eyes. I got those from John. Um, and a lot of people don't really work with marble eyes, and I, I think there's potential for that project, too. Um, I do have uh, some bandits left and a lot of emery bells and 
uh, a bunch of miscellaneous stuff, some rainwaters, and uh, that project that I was working on that I called my Infinity Project. You got to be careful about naming things, so I just call things projects because that's what they are. Uh, Infinity Project is something that I used to classify uh, groups of geckos that I was breeding together. I basically took a um, um, started with a, a really nice uh, tangerine tremper giant uh, that I bred to uh, red stripe uh, tremper, and from there I mixed in some other things and. Um, it came out really colorful, very nice. So it's like a, I call it the infinity because like there's almost an infinite amount of things going on with them, genetics. I mean, it's, it's definitely like a mixed up uh, morph project, but the colors are just so vibrant, beautiful. Um, I forget the uh, guy obvious named Wilfredo uh, Ruiz has a few of my best ones. You can check him out on Facebook. And uh, if anybody's here listening, that wants to call in tonight and ask me any questions or talk to me, um, yeah, I welcome that. I'd love to to get some questions in. Um, I'll probably stay on with you until about 9.45, another 25 minutes or so. But, um, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. I'm, about, I'm down to about 300 or so animals now. And um, once all the animals are gone, I'm hoping to have them uh, sold and placed uh, uh, hopefully by April. You know, and uh, at that point, I have a lot of homemade racks. I built all my racks, and uh, some of them are melamine. They're heavy, but uh, I don't really want to throw them out. You know, I'm hoping somebody can use them and take them and, you know, get a few bucks for the materials. I won't charge crazy money for them, but, you know, they're going to have to go too, but I can't get rid of those until the animals are gone. And I'm going to have hundreds of tubs. I don't know if anybody out there needs tubs and, and stuff, and I'll have the uh, the herbstats and all kinds of other thermostats and stuff, supplies, this and that. The only things I'm going to be keeping, Tim, are uh, my blue tongues. I have a uh, a pair of blue tongues that I've had for over 20 years, and um, I also have a lone female that I've had for about uh, five or six years now. And uh, I'm keeping a pair of crested geckos. Um, oh, you are going to keep those crestes? Yeah, I'm gonna keep them. Yeah, and I'm gonna keep. Uh, I have uh, two Oadora Casanales left. I have a male albino and I have a male uh, normal. So I'm gonna keep those. And uh, I think that's it for a while. And who knows? Maybe in the future, um, you know, when things calm down a little bit for me and I don't have so much uh, responsibilities going on, I, you know, may get a little bit, you know, a few other things, but. Um, yeah, I'm going to try to stay away from things that eat me alarms and stuff. I'd rather, you know, stay with, stick with uh, things that I can feed other things, you know, like, you know, like the crusties or uh, like blue tongues. I can feed them dog food and fruits and vegetables and stuff, you know. Dave, have you tried to see if uh, whether or not you're allergic to the rapashi grub pie? Um, you know, I, that's not an economically feasible, feasible thing either. Because of no, 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 I just mean for if if you kept like a pair of leopard geckos or, so, or a couple leopard geckos that were uh, were special to you, you know. Yeah, well, they're all special. I don't even know, but I actually sold a lot of my most special ones already. So the pain part is already uh, <laughs> kind of gone. Um, yeah, it was painful placing some of some of the ones that I've gotten rid of already, but. Um, did yeah, did I mean, you sell I'll off the uh, Van Gogh 
Excel project? No, not yet. Not yet. Um, that one I need to go to someone special too because that's one of my special projects. It's only about five or six geckos, you know, with Van Gogh. Um, and Van Gogh is just the, the name of a gecko that I have that has a really cool, interesting stripe. And, you know, it's got these little circles in the stripe. It's really, it's kind of weird. And uh, I just call him Van Gogh because it kind of looks like a Van Gogh painting a little bit. But, yeah, I, I need him to go to that project to go to someone serious too. And um, like I said, I'm, I made a post on my timeline a while back. I'm not going to be one of those guys that, you know, starts doing auctions and selling all these, like, expensive morphs for 30 bucks or 40 bucks and pissing everybody off at really working hard to, uh, you know, get a return on some of their investments. I'm not going to do that. And I don't want to be that guy. I mean, and in the past, I've taken stand against animal auctions, reptile auctions. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. Um, yeah, it just seems like a, an act, a desperation move to get rid of animals, in my opinion. It causes all kinds of problems, like, uh, in the market and the perception of pricing and stuff. So, uh, we've done a show about that. You guys can check into that in the past. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And that's unfortunate. That's going to make it a little, it's going to take me longer to place my animals. And I'm going to be sicker longer because i got to feed them longer. So I'm going to suffer for this. I don't want to go out like a sellout. You know, I'm not going to go out um, against things and do things that I've taken a stand against. You know, we all have different things in the hobby, in the community that we don't like. And it's okay if you like auctions, that's fine. It's just something that I never embraced. And uh, I don't want to compromise my um, my feelings on that and, you know, just to move animals quickly to God knows who and just make a few bucks here and there. You know, I'd like, I'd like to know where my animals are going, more or less. And that's it. That's going to definitely cause me to uh, uh, suffer more and, uh, be, you know, have to, it's going to take me longer to to uh, move my collection. But uh, I am open to some, not wholesale, but I am open to some uh, group discounts on some of my more common projects that aren't like, um, you know, more you know, very special, like, you know, the Gemstone Homey Mass Bandits. There's some projects like, you know, regular rainwaters and jungles that I have that are a bit more common that I can uh, definitely do group deals on for people, you know. Um, you know, just message me on Facebook, but I have to say that uh, my time is very limited right now, and um, I, I really can only entertain uh, serious inquiries, you know. I mean, um, I'm not in it. I, I don't have the time to, and I'm not, you know, being judgmental or anything, but, um, you know, if, if you're, like, not in the position actually, um, you know, if you're not really serious about, like, something, um no, I don't know. Just you know, think about it before you contact me, right? Because uh, I am really busy. I really don't have anybody helping me out that much. It's one of those things that I don't know. What am I trying to say, Tim? <laughs> uh, basically, what you said—that the the animals are special to you. You you want to see them all go to good homes, and uh, you know that you're you're obviously uh, not getting rich off of this as as nobody is. So. Uh, yeah. You know, the the important thing is the animals. That's what we all do this for, you know. For, right, right. Uh, well, if you're, if you're just for most of us, it's... And you don't have any money right now, and it, you, you know, yeah, just, uh, it's, uh, I can't really, I don't have the time, you know, to do that right now, unfortunately. I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to sit down and talk to, talk about, you know, everything with everybody, but I, I really 
can only do serious inquiries right now. Okay, that's all. I, that's all I have to say. But yeah, so if you're if you're really seriously, I I will definitely work with you on pricing and uh, do my best to make things affordable for you. And I like I said, I really want to see my animals go to other devoted hobbyists. That's really very seriously important to me. You know, that's a, that's the main thing, really. Um, so yeah. So that's where I'm at with the with the, with the collection, and uh, it's an ongoing process. I try to ship out animals when I can, you know, every week, every two weeks. Uh, the weather's been really hot, as as most you folks know, so we got to work with that right now. But I think uh, September and October, and even November, are going to be really good months to ship. Uh, they they usually are, and uh, you can get away with using a heat pack or sometimes no heat pack at all. The temperatures might be, you know, pretty good across the board. You know, for that. So, you know, that'll be, that's usually when I ship the most to in the fall, spring. You know, winter can be a little difficult, but I'm good at winter shipping. I know I handle that. Never had a problem. So, one problem, my very first shipment, and I shipped hundreds of geckos. Um, I had a heat pack that um, really overheated. Uh, the customer even took temperature readings. I mean, it really wasn't technically my fault, but uh, my very first shipping experience. It was a nightmare, and it unfortunately it cooked. It didn't cook, but it killed the gecko that was closest to it because it really got way too hot. And after that, I've always been so paranoid about my shipments that I tried to do it just right. And I always like seriously check the temperatures. If it's just a little too hot or too cold, I don't care. I'm not doing it. I'm not taking a chance. You know, it's not worth it to me. So out of all the hundreds of geckos that I've shipped. And we had one bad, uh, one one death. Um, if you ship hundreds of geckos, sooner or later you'll have a couple that'll go to a customer and the tails will pop, you know, they'll drop their tails during shipment. Sometimes they have a rough, bumpy ride and, you know, they may get scared and drop a tail. We only had that happen like twice. Um, but one thing I'd like to say is um, from the very beginning with, with this, um, I've always been honest about, uh, my genetics to, you know, the best of my knowledge of what's in them from uh, the breeders that I've gotten my stock from, and I'm um, always forthcoming with my information. I never uh, sell sick animals. I don't have any sick animals. I've never done any shady things. I never find that, you know, there's no bad DOI posts about me anywhere. I've never had a, um, a dissatisfied customer. Um, everybody has always had good things to say. And uh, I think that's um, that makes us, uh, that makes me very proud that I was able to uh, to do this without any you know bad publicity about my sales. The only thing that I've seen people complain about sometimes are uh, they say some of my prices are too high. Well, that's, and I and my prices aren't as high as other breeders, so I try to price my animals fairly. And uh, if it's something that's out of your price range, it's fine. I don't know, nobody's forcing you to buy it. Um, I try to uh, I try to price my animals according to how I you know what I've put into them as far as time, um, my personal investment into the project, how much I've spent, um, how much I think that you know they'll that the customer will be able to you know resell them for because I'd like to you know see the customer in the end be able to make money too. So um, I think you know if you sell out really cheap, then you kind of change the dynamic of the project. And then 
So say somebody buys like a really nice project for me for say a thousand dollars, they buy like a one point three, and you know they they should be able to get some kind of return. You know, I mean they don't have the time in it that I have or the reputation that I built, but they shouldn't have to sell those animals for fifty bucks each if they had made that kind of investment, right? So I'd like to, and I and I always help my customers too. Any questions you have about marketing or anything like that? Um, I'm always still going to be involved. Just because I'm getting out of breeding leopard geckos doesn't mean I'm getting out of the hobby, you know. So I'm just uh, getting out of breeding. So I'm still I'm still the flex lot sales rep. So I can still advise you on your heating and everything. And uh, you know, and I'll, I'll still like to pop on the show once in a while and help you out with the show if you like as much as I can. And uh, yeah, I don't know if, like if you heard or not on the on the last episode episode Dave but I told uh I told everybody the uh the emails of uh what's my morph on the leopard gecko they just purchased uh they can keep sending those to you. Um wait what happened? What did you say? <laughs> All the emails that you get of people saying what morph is this leopard gecko I told everybody they can keep sending those to you. Right, right. I don't respond to those anymore. I'm sorry folks. I can't <laughs> I can't do it. It's uh, too tedious, and it, yeah, that'll just make me I can't. No. Um, now, now I might have to end every show with that, and I'll give out your email address too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, you, if you're gonna break my top, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. You'll, you'll get it back. I'm really creative. I'll, I'll get it. Don't, don't you worry about that. <laughs> So what other plans do you have, Dave? Uh, you know, when when your collection's all uh, finished, you're gonna go on a big, uh, big world tour. You're taking a long vacation. I, I would always think if if I ever had a collection, you know, a large collection, that the toughest part would be uh, traveling. And I I hear a lot of other breeders say that it, it's hard, you know, to be able to travel with with a big collection like that. What uh What are your plans? Um. Well, yeah, well, I mean, as you know, look, because you're kind of low-maintenance. I mean, I, if I wanted to go away, I could uh, for about a week or so. You know, I probably couldn't go away for, you know, two weeks or more. That would be kind of stretching it, especially with younger geckos. I mean, adults can probably go as long as there, there's water. But, um, yeah, now that, you know, eventually, well, I can't do anything yet because I still got a lot of geckos, a lot of stuff. But um, one one thing is for sure, you know, I'm moving as well. I'm moving uh, from Pennsylvania. So uh, in a way it's good too because as I transition from Pennsylvania, um, I'm going to start seeing a lot more of my friends more often. Uh, I didn't really have a lot of friends in Pennsylvania. So, you know, my social life wasn't really great now uh, that I'm transitioning away from there. i got more of a social life now, which is cool, seeing more of my friends again. Um, so who knows? Yeah, I'd like to start taking some trips. Maybe once I get rid of my collection, I'll, I'll – you know, enjoy, you know, going to reptile shows and not have to worry about setting up and all that stuff and, you know, being, uh, you know, like on all day and selling my animals. I'd, I'd love to just go to a reptile show carefree just to look around and talk to people like you do. <laughs> I look forward to those days coming in the future. But, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, maybe that's, like, maybe that's why I don't sell any geckos when I do shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've talked about maybe doing some road trips stuff to, uh, you know, you've already went to Tinley and 
uh, maybe Daytona or something. You know, maybe you'd like to uh, get that uh, uh, electric car of yours, and we'll uh, <laughs> get it, get on the road. You know, and uh, Ron invited me to check out his place. We could maybe take a trip to Texas one weekend. Who knows? Yeah. I'm uh, actually I was going to bring that up. I I am heading to Tinley again this year, and uh, if anybody um, you know is talking to you about about purchasing geckos, I, I could certainly uh, deliver any geckos for you to to Tinley. Okay. Yeah. You got what do you thought? What do you what do you breed? What do you have right now? Did you breed anything this year? Um, yeah, not, not too many. Um, I produced, uh, you know, some, some, uh, bandits that I crossed to, uh, G project and Marine. Um, some of those babies look pretty cool. And, uh, and I produced some more of the, um, just pure high yellow. Uh, I guess I'm going to call them Florida strain leopard geckos. Cause that's what, what Ron referred to them as. But, uh, you know, I, I produced more of them, and I continued test breeding them and still uh, haven't produced any recessives. So they're, uh, they're, re- they're totally pure, just high yellow leopard geckos, just like leopard geckos used to be, you know, 20 years ago. And, oh, uh, and I produced some of those, and then uh, I produced just, one so far, and I think I have one more egg in the incubator of a uh, a bandit uh, that I crossed to a Zorro Mandarin bandit, and then I took that offspring and I crossed it to a clown from uh, that I got from Matt, and that baby, the first egg just hatched uh, last week, and that baby looks awesome. You know, I was thinking, I wasn't sure what they would turn out to look like. I haven't seen anybody... Uh, online that that did that cross before and uh and sometimes you know the tangerine different tangerine lines don't match up um but this definitely did the the baby looks really really cool i can't wait for it to grow up a little bit and uh and take some pictures of it but that's basically it nothing nothing too crazy okay yeah no that's that's cool um, is there anything from my collection that you like? Any anything that you wanted? I'll see. I'll see when I come out there to check it out and give you a hand uh, doing some feeding and cleaning. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that would be appreciated. I, I'd love that. Um, yeah, maybe we can do that in a few weeks. What's your availability like? I'm. Uh, I'll be, I'll be open. I'd rather do it during the week sometime. But uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll we can talk about it and, and set it up. Okay. Yeah, because um, you know Blake's Blake's been coming up and helping me. Um, but uh, yeah, we can give him a break, and you can come up one day, or maybe uh, both of you guys can can come up, and we can knock it out real quick. You know, three of us. You know? Yeah, definitely. I'd like to. Uh, I like to see a lot of these uh, projects that you know you don't you you post a little bit of them, but not you know not really everything, and uh, you know so it'd be cool to see them in person. And uh, and we could probably do a little uh, a little episode too. It'd be it'd be cool to do an episode face to face instead of just over the phone like this. Oh, you mean what? Like sit down? Like uh, well, it wouldn't be on it. It wouldn't be a video interview. You mean just a 
No, so, just a, a radio show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. I don't mind. And um, actually, that's that's something that I'm uh, that I'm you know I've been talking about uh, with a couple guys of doing shows in the future. Uh, I think it'd be really cool to talk about how some of these lines of of leopard gecko morphs have been developed. You know, kind of what. You know, for instance, I was talking to Matt about having Matt on to talk about, you know, how he developed the the G project stuff. You know, where where the animals, you know, descended from, what what he saw in them that he selected for, and kind of how he developed the the line. Yeah, cool I mean, to do that with with your stuff too. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have developed their own line of uh, green tangerines. Is basically what they are. And, uh, you know, I like the term memory. It's kind of cool. And uh, his G projects are definitely nice and good. I've, I have some of them. I definitely have some white and yellow ones, really nice ones. Uh, he did good work with that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's cool. And I know Ron developed his own line. I remember Marsha was saying that back in the day, uh, people didn't like the green tangerines. They, uh, they thought that was like a byproduct more or less of, you know, they were really trying to go for yellow. And I mean, uh, orange. And when the green ones popped up, they were selling them really cheap just to get rid of them. <laughs> and now it's like now the green ones are like sought after, which is cool. You know? so, I just think yeah, it's so amazing when you look back, you know, of how how it was, you know, 20 years ago, that literally every single person that was breeding leopard geckos was breeding for, you know, either high yellows and trying to make super hypos or for tangerines trying to make super hypo tangerine. And, uh, and now you look at, you know, super hypos and super hypo tangerines and you see how far they've come from, from wild types. And it's just incredible. Right. And, and it would, and you know, like how crazy would it be now we have so many different morphs, you know, that are all, mixed up, but how crazy would it be if, if, you know, if everybody was breeding for the same thing again, you know, to see how far we could get some other stuff, you know, like the, like the, uh, you know, who knows, could, could we get them to be purple? Could we get them to be blue? Could we get them, you know, any one of these colors that they have on their body already, you know, why not? We could, yeah, we could yeah. bring that out. I think the blue is the blue is going to be the hardest color to to develop. To tell you the truth, but I mean, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's still there's, a lot to do. But there done. definitely is. Actually, you know, one of my uh, one of my hatchlings uh, from the Florida strain uh, popped out the other day, and it really had a lot of blue on the on the head as soon as it as soon as it had its first shed. And you know, just something as simple as that, like you know, it would start on the head just like the orange did. You know, if right, you listen to uh, to Ron guys, right? Ron Tremper, you know, I, I heard him say on on one of the radio shows that you know him and him and Bill Brandt were were looking at a leopard gecko that had one tiny little orange spot, and that <laughs> was it. And now yeah. look at what we have now. Right. So yeah, it's just it's, a matter it's, of it's, patience and working oh, yeah. and hard work and and sticking with it. Well, here's the flip side too, though. Um, it's really very important that some of these original bloodlines in their original form get saved and get, you know, responsible stewardship from other breeders. Like, uh, for instance, 
um, Marsh's Sunglows, and um, I don't know, so many, like like the ghosts, the pure ghosts. Um, these things should be, you know, the combos are great, yes, but these, like, old, original bloodlines need to be saved because things are getting really muddy out there genetics-wise. People are mixing stuff. I don't mean and they're gone. Me. Like, they disappear. But yeah, yeah, there are stuff we've lost. There are stuff. I mean, they, they don't necessarily disappear, but they evolve into other things, and that mm-hmm. the original, you know, that original one is lost. I, I One of my very few regrets in life is that I didn't keep any offspring from my from my first ever leopard gecko. And that thing, I could have I could have developed a purple leopard gecko just from that one gecko alone because it I already remember, had I remember the normals a, back a then crazy amount. Yeah. Well, no, actually mine was mine actually was a jungle phase. It was a striped leopard gecko. Oh, you know, okay. and uh that I got in the early 90s and from that gecko if I had kept its offspring and, and line bred that just either even one or two generations. It was it was purple like you ne- you don't see it all like it wasn't the the light lavender that you see that a lot of people have selected you know for the lavender uh, leopard geckos it wasn't like that at all it was deep deep purple on the sides and it, that thing easily could have been a, a you know a, developed a new line just from that gecko. And you have no pictures. I, I don't think I... I might have a picture, but it, it's not, like, a good one. But, uh... But, yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't have any good pictures of that gecko. I do have some pictures, actually, that I, I need to post up of, of geckos that I, that I produced in, like, maybe 2001 or 2000. Okay. And, uh, and that's basically you know, the the line of, of leopard geckos that I'm that I'm talking about. Can you hear me? Still there, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah, my headset just popped out. Like, well, no, so what else, Dave? Is there anything else you wanted to uh you wanted well, to cover when tonight? I was younger, yeah, I wanted to just add to what you're saying about your lavender. When I was younger, uh I, I bred leopard geckos when I was a kid. That was the first thing I ever bred and um, back then, you know, they were normals, yeah. And uh, this, uh, what I had was a spotted normal, but the black spots, in between the black spots, there was like a really rich purple lavender color. I mean, it was more than lavender. I, I have to say it's purple, man. It was really cool. And uh, that gecko lived for 18 years. In fact, I gave it to a friend of mine. He had it for a long time. And then I got her back. And uh, yeah, she lived for 18 years, but. I don't see anything like that anymore. And it was just a normal, but it was black spotted with this really cool lavender between. I mean, that would be something awesome to develop right now. Like, you know, like something that was just nothing really special back then is something we don't have today. You know, it's like, it, it would be, it'd be so cool to have that again. Yeah. I know what you're saying, but like there are other things like the pure pattern list that Marsha was working on. You know, I made sure they went to a few responsible people and um, like ghosts and, well, of course, the black pearls, like I talked about. But there's some other things that I have that are older, like uh, Paul Allen's line of lavender bells, gemstone lavender bells. I had, still have some of those. Left. And uh, those have to go to someone's uh, series, too. 
um, because that's something that could definitely get lost and mixed uh, with other things. You know, I had the opportunities to mix them with white and yellows and stuff, but I didn't. I just wanted to keep that, that Gem Snow lavender look. And the, the good thing about the Gem Snow gene is it's not like a Max Snow where it makes a super form, because in this aspect, you don't want to make a super form, because that uh, will kill, the super snow will kill the whole look of the lavender Gem Snow belt. So, you know, I need that project to go to someone serious, too. And, uh, yeah, so this is basically what's really important to me right now with my collection is making sure that um, some of these very special projects go to the people that I think can really, you know, go to, go to where I think they're going to, you know, you know, have the best possible future. And uh, I also have some really nice Emmerine bells that I uh, developed from Paul Allen's line. And, uh, you know, I've seen electric bells and stuff, and, you know, these electrics are awesome. They, they definitely took them to the next level, and I would even say they're, in an aspect, kind of prettier than some of the emerine bells that I have from Paul. But this original emerine bell line is special, and it's important, and they're beautiful, yes. So I, I believe that it's important that these things go to the, to the, to the right people. So that's my main goal right now is it's not even about the money. Uh, you know, to people that are listening now that are thinking of uh, getting some of my collection, it's really not about the money. Um, you know, I'm not really, I mean, of course, I'm not selling things at ridiculous prices, but some of these special lines are definitely worth money. And if I do sell them cheap to God knows who, they're not going to get the attention in the future that is deserving of them. And so, you know, I've invested a lot of money in them and someone that invests, it's unfortunate to say, but when you spend money on something, you're going to make sure you take care of it better. Things that are cheap don't get the attention. And I think it's just human nature. You know, when it costs us money, uh, we get serious, you know, like uh, getting speeding tickets. When you get enough speeding tickets, you slow down. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely one of those things. So that's my goal. So anybody that's listening that um, thinks that they seriously want to uh, take on some of these really amazing projects that I have, um, contact me on Facebook. Please uh, just contact me only if you're seriously interested. And like I said, I'm willing to work with you on pricing and do my best to make things affordable for you. And, um, you know, we can go from there. Um, I also have a group on Facebook that's specifically for my customers. It's uh, David's Fine Geckos, uh, but I've been adding potential customers now. I used to keep it just for customers and um, post, like, special animals there first for them to get first dibs because I like to give my customers first dibs on things, my previous customers, because I have a lot of return customers that, you know, they've bought one thing and they come back and buy, buy more from me. So I always like to give them first dibs on the, this really special stuff. But if you'd like to... Uh, get into my David Stein Geckos group. Um, check it out on Facebook and apply for it. And I'll, as long as I see you're not a spam account or whatever, I'll uh, approve you. And you can also recommend for your friends uh, that you think might be interested uh, for that group. But also keep an eye on my uh, uh, David Stein Geckos page on Facebook. And if you don't, if you like the page, you're not going to get all the posts. And so you have to like the page and you have to hover it over the like button and then uh, select see first. In this way, everything I post will appear on your timeline. So you won't miss something because 
sometimes when I post a gecko, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Tim, but sometimes they sell like in two minutes. So, and then others, you know, take a week to sell. But sometimes, you know, some of these things just move quickly, and I can't really predict ones go quick. But a lot of them have been going fast. It seems like everything I post is like moving fast. And <laughs> if you're someone that's put a lot into the gecko business, like I, or the hobby, like I have, and you've developed a reputation and um, your sales are kind of going slow. Just uh, tell everybody you're going out of business. And uh, I should have done this for the last few years since <laughs> I was going out of business because everybody, dude, you'd be surprised. I can't believe the amount of PMs I get. It's like, oh, my God. Like, I, honestly, I haven't even had to post that many geckos for sale because people contact me through PM and email, and they're like, Dave, do you have any of these left? Do you have any of these? And a lot of my sales have been private, like where I they don't even get posted. In fact, I wind up posting a picture on my page just to show off a beautiful gecko, and it's a picture that I took of a gecko that a person inquired about, and then they usually buy it, so I have to post a picture, and I have to write sold, and people are like, well, where did you post it for sale? You know, like, how did it sell, you know? <laughs> they don't get it, but, yeah, it's, a lot of it's uh, private stuff. But, um, but that's cool, too, because you know what? These are people that are actually seeking certain things. They're actually – they already have an idea of what they want, and they're inquiring specifically for something from me that they know they can use in a project they're working on. So that's good, too, because they know that, you know, it's something they're actually looking for and can use. So that works out good, too. So that's about it. You know, I don't know what else really to talk about. But, um, you know, I really – you know, all in all, you know, this has been a really good experience for me. Yes, it's been really difficult for me uh, over the last few years with everything, but, you know, getting involved and watching some of these projects develop and getting so excited every year for the hatchings and seeing all these babies pop out and seeing your ideas for a project come to fruition has been such a thrill. And, you know, I don't, I can't see anything in life, you know, being similar to that because, it's, an ex- it's a very rare experience to year after year watch these animals uh, develop and change and the colors and patterns and see some of your visions actually occur, like when you have heads and you're hoping for a certain look and it actually happens. You know, just that, just to see it work is amazing. So, I, you know, this experience has been so, so rewarding for me over the last few years. So, like I said, I am not by any means going to disappear off the face of the earth. I'm still going to be involved. I still like to help out a little bit. Of course, I can't, you know, be as involved as I used to be, but I will do what I can, and uh, we'll go from there. We'll see what happens in the future, you know? So I wish everybody the best of luck, seriously. And uh, like you said earlier, Tim, I hope people try to keep things positive, help help each other, and please, folks, direct some new folks to some of our old episodes. We really went out of our way to um, do specific episodes on husbandry and breeding and marketing and morphs and history of morphs. Uh, some of the episodes with Marsha McGinnis in particular, just as far as history goes, are just terrific. And then husbandry-wise, John Scarborough, he doesn't shut up. He tells you everything. Listen to this guy. He's awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I think there's a lot of really good information that for the, for the person that has the attention span, if you guys do go back and listen to these shows, you will definitely have an edge, okay? And you'll, and if you're really, if you pay really close attention, some of these breeders have given out little secrets and little hints about 
where the good genetics are, where the bad genetics are, without bashing anyone, without, uh, you know, calling anyone out. But if, you're, if you pay attention, you can figure out where muddy genetics went, who's breeding uh, double heads, who isn't, who's got kind of uh, some projects that definitely have the potential to have double head albinos, stuff like that. And I'm not going to tell you who's bad and who isn't. You're going to figure it out on your own. So, and that's the that's the point. We didn't want to come out and bash anybody, but we wanted to make sure that um, we help people find where the statistically where the the purest genes are. Okay, not no bloodlines are ever going to be perfect, but you know you can find the bloodlines that are closest uh, to being pure and whatnot. So that you can definitely do that. And I think everybody should strive for that because now with everything getting muddy, um, there is going to be a clear division between uh, certain bloodlines and others. And I'll tell you right now, John Scarborough is spending a lot of money and a lot of time test breeding stuff. And uh, John will have, if he doesn't already, John will have the purest, uh, unquestionable collection on the planet at some point in time. I think he does already, but all the work that he's doing. And he's testing everything in his collection for crypto and stuff. So, like, <laughs> there's, there's, he's going to be unmasked. He really will be. So, definitely, folks, keep an eye on John. And um, really good guy, really good breeder. And there's so many, but I definitely want to give a shout-out to John. So, but I wish you all luck. All right, I mean, I don't know. Is there Dave, I, I wanted to talk to me about Dave, I just wanted to say, you know, on behalf of uh, all the listeners and uh, I'm sure all, all your friends out there, uh, just thank you for for all you've put into your animals, for all all the help you've given to uh, to other breeders and keepers, all the work you did with the show, and uh, and thank you for uh, for passing off the, the show to me. I'd, I'd like to keep it going, and I hope uh, I hope you you know enjoy and keep listening and and of course we'll we're gonna keep having you on too but um well, i gotta listen i hope I gotta uh, sure you screw this up <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, <laughs> well i definitely uh gotta work on uh setting up the switchboard and all that crap but uh but anyway yeah, go ahead let me ask close you this out. let me i got one more question for you tim <clears throat> Shoot. okay i like i said earlier I think you're the perfect person to take this show over, and I'm so glad that you will want to do it. You know, you were my first choice. And, I mean, do you, are you really serious about it, though? Like, are you – is it just, is it, is it just that you're, you're excited about I'm, it now? I'm definitely – oh, no, no, no. I'm definitely not going to be, like, putting out a, a show a week or anything like that. I, I simply don't have the time for it. But I definitely like to, uh, to do a show, you know, at least every other week. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm, I have some shows I'm already uh, setting up for the near future. Um, I have, and I'm, and I'm definitely planning on on, uh, on recording some stuff while I'm at the Tinley show. Um, hopefully, I'll, I'll be able to figure it out and work it out. Uh, the main okay, so issue that I've you're heard. You're definitely curious about it, right? That's what I'm getting at. Oh yeah, the the, the okay. biggest issue that I've uh, I've heard other shows at a reptile expo is there's, there's too much background noise. So as long as I can find a, a quiet spot where I can steal a, a vendor or a friend that I've run into there, I'm going to definitely record some stuff and, uh, and 
put together an, an episode out of it. Yeah, okay. All right, well, that's good. All right, well, listen, I'm here to help you, too. If you have any questions, um, just hit me up. I'll help you through it and, you know, help you make the show as best as uh, the best as we can do with the technology we have. Yeah. And, and, again, we wish, you, we wish you all the best in the next chapter of your life, Dave. I really appreciate it. So go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you all for for listening to the show all this time and getting us up to 80,000 downloads. That's just, like, incredible. I never in a million years thought that would ever happen. And, uh, well, I don't know what else to say. I guess I could ramble on and go off on more tangents, but we'll just leave it at that. And, uh, Tim, I wish you the best of luck with the show. And, uh, yeah, we'll see see what happens in the future. And I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their summer. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave. Have a good night, everybody. All right. Take care. Bye now.